All right, I've got a couple of announcements to get through, but I honestly don't feel like God's done prophetically doing some stuff in the room. So if that sounds fun to you, make your way to your seat. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> oh, Tom wants it. <laughs> Shh. I, I warned you, um, say this a couple of times, I, I don't think I've really done this for announcements before. Uh, we've done some prophetic, but if you were here when Murray Newman was here, um, I feel like a stirring to speak prophetically over that. Um, I was having a conversation some, with some wonderful people right before church, and I made a statement. You know, sometimes you say something and you, you don't realize that you were being prophetic in that moment. You just you thought you were talking, but the truth is the Lord's in you, so sometimes things come out, right? And I just said, this is the biggest season of transition that I've seen in my 10 years of being on staff here, and actually probably just overall. And I, I think God moves over his people in a lot of sim- similar ways. Amen? So can we do something different prophetically real quick? Yeah. Um, don't worry. I'm, I'm the closer today, so I'm only taking from my own time. Um, so I don't mind. You're welcome. Um, so I'm going to have a couple people stand up. Um, hmm. We've seen a lot of these. If you, got, uh, if you got married this year or getting married this year, will you stand up? If you're adding to the family or you added to the family, will you stand up? If, if you graduated college or high school this year, stand up. If you're going back to college this year, will you stand up? <laughs> yeah, there's more coming. I feel peace on this one. Um, if, you've, if a loved one has gone to heaven this year, will you please stand up? Jesus. Yeah. If, you're, if you've moved in 2019 or you're moving in 2019, will you stand up? If you're changing jobs this year or you've changed jobs this year. Yeah, look around the room. God's stirring. Give me a minute. I'm just listening. I feel like there's there's maybe one or two more. Hmm. Jesus. Actually, I'm I'm just going to release this one because I feel there's there's a few hungry in here. If you've been going through major transition, if you found these words coming out of your mouth, then I want you to stand up. It's the words, I don't know. (laughs) Some people jumped and answered. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's okay. Oh, somebody got on a chair. Okay. Look around the room. I think God's putting his finger on what season we're in. Amen. It's okay. I'm prophesying over myself. I've like changed jobs. My wife's preggers. Um, <laughs> we're having a boy. I've done a girl. I don't know what happens with boys. Uh, hmm. It's all good. That's right. Hmm. So I'm just going to release some prophetic and I might walk towards you and just start releasing something over, over you directly. Um, but just whatever you feel and you need it. Just take it, okay? And if it doesn't make sense to your specific situation, don't sweat. But first, I just feel the Lord saying, for many in here, stop making it about performance. Don't worry about the performance. Just let me love on you. And that's what he was already doing this morning. It's not about what you can do. It's okay to say the words I don't know because he has the answers. He is the answer. And I see a tree planted. Actually, I think I need to release this over someone specifically. And the rest of you who need it, take it. Um, Roger, is it okay if I give you a word? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to come down to you, man. Um, actually, I got to lay hands on you. Because here's what I saw is I saw your, your feet planted and he said, I'm changing your soil. And there was worry kind of in your mind about where you were going in that. And God said, don't worry, I'll aim you in the right direction. So your head reaches the exact area I need it to be. And I heard the phrase soundness of mind. You're going to have soundness of mind. He's actually expanding the ability for just wisdom through the Holy Spirit in you. Hmm. And he's put you in good soil. 
if somebody else needed that, just take it. Especially if you've been feeling confusion. Jesus. Oh, I know I want one I had. If, if you haven't stood up yet, I, I also just feel like the Lord's speaking on this. If since January 2019 to now you've decided this is your home church and you're not already standing, or probably half more than, oh, I got one. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Hmm. Just a couple of declarations I, I feel I'm releasing. First, that there's peace. In the storm and when the waves are bouncing, I feel like this word specifically, you feel like bouncing up and down, going in from good stuff to bad stuff, that there's a peace. And actually, it's okay to just plateau for a little bit so that he can prep you for the big jump into what's next. You'll bear with me. This is a little new for me, too. Hmm. Jesus. You don't need all the answers. Yeah, somebody's receiving that right now. You don't need all the answers. God's not afraid of your mistakes. You do not have to do this perfectly. This is a unique one. I feel like God's saying he's entertained by you. By the way you pursue him in this. (laughs) Shoo. He loves watching his children try to walk and grow. It's actually his delight to watch you run around the yard a little bit. If you have tears, he has a smile. It's okay. I've got to lay hands on somebody that's gone through a huge transition. So just. Hi, sir. (laughs) If you don't know, this man's changing jobs after 43 years of loyal service. He picked a knucklehead to take over for him, but it's okay. Particularly if you've changed jobs or there's, there's job change or you've moved as well. I feel that. And whatever I just prophesy over Mr. Lunge, just take it if you need it. But particularly if you've, you've changed jobs or you've moved. Whew. It's not just the people that are surrounding you that are going to help you raise up into the next place you're going. But you're actually influencing them as well. Even in a place where you might feel not complete or whole or have some questions, the Lord says, you still have my Holy Spirit to pour out onto others. And even when you go, oh my goodness, they're blessing me so much, you don't realize how much blessing you are giving into them. And your words, whoo, it's like you have the anointing of ten words just upon one. You don't need to make it a huge effort. You just need to be who you are in the Lord. Shoo. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Jesus. These are God's announcements. We'll get to ours later. I'm going to borrow from Chris Gore a little bit. Because I think it was the woman at the well. When he says, go in peace. It's actually a mistranslation. It's actually go into peace to occupy, occupy a place of peace. There's some of us in here who need that. I just say peace, that your bank account's going to have peace, that your household's going to have peace. Somebody in here needs to hear this, that son or daughter that's not walking with the Lord. There's peace in that situation. Don't worry. Cool. Come on. It's... I feel the Lord saying this. It's not about the the prayers right now in this season. The prayers are important, but it's more importantly is your praise to God in the situation. <sighs> Some of y'all missed it. Bethany plugged. I'm going to give the best plug for pre-service prayer ever. At the end of it today, Tom Ray was dancing around like this, and it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, 
he was dancing on the head of his enemy in victory. You need that right now. I even just say this. There's a a stirring up in you. Sometimes you cannot help but move because you're so, it's like when you get angry, you can't help but just hit the table for a second. There's something stirring in you prophetically that you cannot help but move. Start dancing around your house and declaring the goodness of the Lord. All right, let me just pray over you. I think, I think, Jesus, I just say in this transition, in this moving, first we just declare you're God and you're good. And we follow you. And we just say make the clouds very visible, the fire by night very visible. And we just say the promised land is ours to occupy. And we will go into peace and live there. And there will not be confusion. And the words I don't know will be replaced by God is good. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. You can sit. water. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I got to do announcements. <laughs> Today's the last day to register for the couple's lunch. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there too. I need some help. If you've been married like 15 years or more and you're going, I need somebody else for the know your spouse game. Um, so bring it on them whippersnappers. Um, cause if you don't know, it's a, we always have, uh, recently married and then married usually about like five to 10 years and then 15 plus um, so I could use your help and the tables out there, it's $25 a ticket. This, <laughs> God, every time I think God's going to zig, he pivots. Um, <laughs> whew, okay. Um, you cannot buy tickets at the door for the couple's lunch and you want to be there because we we're going to have a ton of fun. I came up with a, a game this year. <laughs> Just wait till you hear the name of it. Um, that's all I'm going to say. That's your only preview. You're going to see the people at your table do some ridiculous things. It's going to be a blast. Uh, uh, all right. Keith and Lisa will be selling tickets. So please pick up your ticket for that. Um, celebrate recovery. Amazing ministry we have going on here. Amen. Come on. Um, so they have a to-go lunch today out on uh, the patio. Um, What's Irish and sits out in the back of the house, even in the rain? Patio furniture. Moving on. Um, So out on the patio, uh, (laughs) they will have to-go lunches. This is to raise funds for them to go to a conference in California because they need to be filled up and equipped. Um, How many know when they built the temple, Solomon used gold from Ophir but cedars from Lebanon, i.e. he's taking the best from each place to build up what God's doing. That's why we send people out, and that's why we go on missions, and that's why we have partner churches all over the world is because we want to bring our best to their best, and the temple gets built at the best. Um, So hmm, I'm just – I'm sharing. I'm sharing. Okay, today is the last day to register for early bird pricing on the ladies' retreat. You want to get, come on, ladies, if you're anything like my wife, you want a discount. Uh, And do we have the, uh, there we go, it's written up there, Wendy Backland. Oh my goodness. I like people think, are you really going to sneak in? Yeah, I'm sneaking in to hear Wendy Backlund preach. That lady's amazing. Um, So you want to be a part of that and you want to get a discount. So don't delay, buy tickets today. Okay, uh, speaking of which, please welcome Tom Ray. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, um, Chris, when you said we want to send our best to, and I don't know how else you said that, but I got that part. Okay, that, just listen to what he said. But I'm here to say right now, 
we've got two families that I'm going to introduce to you that basically we've sent some of the best of Hill Country. Um, I was in Colorado, but back, am I right? It was at the 90s, uh, Mark, when you were here. And there's Lynn. She's coming. I'll introduce them both. But let me just start by introducing the Mastersons. Mark Masterson, uh, did the Lord apprehend you or get hold of you while you were at Texas State? Okay. Then, and it was in the 90s? Okay, so at least I got the right decade. Um, Then Mark was our college pastor. And when I came back in 98, I heard stories of the Masterson regime. (laughs) Sorry about calling it that, but... um, that really was a poor word, but it was just you. Legacy is better. <laughs> He's shaking his head at me. I apologize for that part, Mark. But anyway, I just want to say then Mark left, went to Waco, to Antioch, and Antioch, a huge movement of God has gone through Antioch ministries there in Waco. And so Mark left for the mission field. At some time along there, Dana, his his wife, she wasn't married to him then yet. But if you've, there's a book. She she wrote, they wrote a book called Prisoners of Hope. Am I correct? And Prisoners of Hope, when she and some other Antioch missionaries in in Afghanistan actually became captive of the Taliban, they were they were prisoners, and. With the miracle working hand of God, they were delivered from that. And so, and then these two got married, and of course their family has followed. But they have been missionaries in the nation of Morocco for how many years? I want 15, 16 years. Kind of along with that is Lynn Sales. Of course, I don't even remember your maiden name. Sorry, Lynn. But um, Walters, thank you. So Lynn was also a Texas State University student, SWT student in those days. And the Lord got hold of her, and she was part of this congregation back in the 90s. And then she also, and you went to Antioch in Waco as well, and then became a missionary, met her husband Eliel, who's actually at home in Tunisia with their two boys. She's got her two daughters and so I'm going to ask Lynn, would you and the girls just come on up? This is Lynn Sales, and this is, this is Isabel, and this is Rachel, and they're going to share with you, but I, want to, I just want to leave, uh, I'll, I'll hand this microphone over to them with this, and then the Mastersons will share after that. But I want you to know this was some of the prime. You see this? And th- so we have sent two nations the best, you know, the Lord had it in mind to send these people. And I just want you to know these are quality influencers. And and 17 years in Tunisia. 17 years in Tunisia. I think we should clap for that. 17 years in Tunisia. Come on. And Mark and Dana, thank you for the 15, 16 years in Morocco. 
that clap goes for them too. Now they're going to share with you what they're doing, but I asked Mark specifically. I said, Mark, would you just re-stir, rekindle, re-stir the, the fires? I heard the Lord in the prayer room this morning. I heard him say, burn. Because sometimes the fire has to be reignited. And the Bible says that. In fact, uh, Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of hands and prophetic utterance. And I've asked Mark to just pray and impart over us as a congregation because we're not just here to, to receive. We're actually here on purpose. And sometimes we lose sight of the purpose of God for each of us. And that has to be restirred. So, Lynn, you and the girls, come, just come stand right here in the middle. And thanks so much for sharing with us. Good morning. It's always good to be back at Hill Country. I just love the, the, the spirit of openness here to receive from the Holy Spirit. And we're always so blessed. And um, actually, for today, when... Um, I first started communicating about coming. I said, I just want to come and I just want to be in the service. I just want to receive from the Lord while we're here and just be blessed. But I'm encouraged to have an opportunity to share with you about our time in Tunisia. And as Tom said, we've been there for 17 years. And I was just thinking, so many people ask, well, how can you do that? How can you be there for 17 years? And I feel like there's there's two words that describe that. And, and one of them is obedience. I mean, we're there because God says to be there. And there are times where it's really hard, and there are times when it's really fruitful. And there are times when we just want to throw in the towel. But if God says to do it, then that's where we want to be. We want to be in the center of his will and doing what he wants. So it's obedience. And the second word is love. Because we love the Lord and because we love the people. And as we've been there and We've grown and we've shared our lives with people. I mean, we deeply love them. We want to see them know the Lord. We want to see them be free. We want to see them know a relationship with God and what that really looks like instead of just legalistic ways of Islam that they've lived under. So I have just a few little pictures to show you. One of them is my family. So we are just half of us here, and um, our better half is still there in Tunisia. You guys would definitely know. But, um, so Eliel's from Brazil, and then there's our two youngest boys, Rafael and Daniel, who are 10 and 12. And so um, over the years that we've lived there, we just really felt like God called us to share our lives, um, to share, um, be open with who we are, have our door open, live life alongside Tunisians, and share with them our lives and the love of God. And um, so Tom was asking me a little bit, to share um, the difference from the beginning of 17 years to now. So the next picture I just want to show you, um, this is our organization, OM. And one of the things that OM has felt very strongly about is that we want to plant churches. We want to see communities grow. And so we want to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reach. We want to be in those places where people have not yet heard. So we're really excited to work in OM. Um, the next slide, this is just to show you where our, where our country is in the world. It's in North Africa. So there's little tiny Tunisia there. 
Okay, the next next slide. Again, just a whole picture of, so keep this in mind so then you'll know Morocco there on the far left. <laughs> so there's Tunisia right there in the middle. And then the next, the next slide, there's our country, a bigger picture. And then the next one, Okay, so this shows some of our some of our cities. And the large capital city of Tunis there at the top, just down from there is the city Sousse. That's where we live on the coast. And so we've been in Tunisia 17 years, and we've been in Sousse for 16. And we feel like as time has gone by, we've really seen the, the spiritual climate in Sousse change. Um, in that there are people coming to know the Lord. There are people more open and this is years and years of prayer. And so I was telling Tom and Kathy that when we first went to Tunisia 17 years ago, a lot of the people who are open to hearing about the Lord now, they were children at that time. And so now they are the young people in their 20s. They've finished university. Um, they're young professionals. They're not married yet. There's like a very special window in there. And this group of people are the people who are open, the most open to hearing about the Lord. They've been very influenced by Europe, being so close to Europe. And they're just, they're just really hungering for more as they've finished their drive of education. They're not yet married and thinking about family. They're just in this kind of time in life where they're really thinking about what's going on in their own hearts and in their own lives. And so that's a very special window. Um, so our, um, our heart has been to, in Tunisia, reach into some of the least reached cities and areas. So we have a target of three cities. So there's Gabiz, that's in the south, just below Sakira and Sfax. There's Gabiz. And then there's Mehdia, which is a little bit south of Sous. And then there's another smaller city that's between Tunis and Sous called Zagawan. And so for years, we have been praying for the city of Mehdia. As we settled in Sousse, God began to broaden our view, not only for our city, but for our region. So that included Mehdia, which were, where there were no believers and no church. So we've been praying for that city for many, many, many years. And then finally, this last year, we were able to send our first couple into that city to start a team there. So they've already met one lady who is a believer, so they've been able to do Bible studies with her, and they're just continually praying over their city, wanting God to to start something wonderful there. And we're so encouraged because as we've talked with people who do media ministry in the country, they've kind of mapped out different parts of the country where there are a lot of interests. So people who are writing in through the Internet and asking for more information about Jesus. And they, they told us that years ago, Mahdia had no interest. But now it's like a completely different place. There's so much interest coming out of that city. For us, that really encouraged us because we've been praying for that city for a long time. Though there was no one there, the Spirit of God was working in people's hearts and lives. And they are open and they're writing in through the Internet, through different ways, trying to find out more about Jesus, wanting Bibles. So then that encouraged us that another one of the city, the one that's not even on the map, the small place between Tunis and Sousse, is a city called Zagawan. And so this media follow-up team was telling us, as we told them, we have interest in Zagawan. We want to know what's happening there. They said, you know, Zagawan is like the black hole of Tunisia. 
there's no interest coming out of this area. Like no one writes in, no one wants to know. So for us, that creates a real challenge and a real drive in our heart. We want to see the spiritual climate change in this city. We want to see God really work and do something wonderful there. So that's what we're about and what we're doing on a bigger scale, the the way we feel God leading. On a day-to-day, it's meeting with people, being friends with people, sharing our lives with people. And I wanted to share a specific scripture I forget it when I don't write it down because I get nervous. This is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our very lives as well. So that's how we felt there in Tunisia, that the day-to-day is not only sharing the good news, but sharing our lives. And through that sharing of our lives, having our door open, being open to spending time with people, God gives us amazing opportunities to share. And so that brings us to our last picture. This is one way that we as a family are expanding out our way of sharing. So we have felt very much in our hearts that God didn't just call us, but he's called us as a family. And so we've really wanted and encouraged our kids to be active in trying to share with their friends. So our kids go to an international school where we live, so they have friends from all across Europe, all across um, Asia, and especially a lot of North Africans. So they have Tunisian friends in their classes with them. And so the girls have come home when this class started about two, three years ago, and they've been together with this group of people just talking about their friends, and we've had our home open to have their friends over. We've tried to provide snacks and just movie nights and all kinds of fun things just to get get these kids into our house, and we've really grown to deeply love and care for them. So as a family, we've been praying for quite a few of these different kids, and some of them very, very specifically. So I wanted to give Isabel and Rachel an opportunity just to tell you about one or two times that they've had the chance to share with their friends. Um, so, yeah, like my mom said, we were blessed um, these past two years to have opportunities to talk with our friends about Jesus. Um, me specifically with one boy in our class, he's the one sitting behind the girl in the yellow, um, jacket. His name is Wasim. Um, so one of the stories takes place in Christmas time. And so our class was talking about Christmas and one of the boys in our class was like, isn't it about Santa? And, and Wasim, he looked at me and he was like, no, isn't it about Jesus? And I said, yeah, it's about God. And he looked at me and he was like, you mean Jesus? And I said, yeah, but Jesus is God. And then he kind of just looked at me and he was like, what? (laughs) And so then I explained to him the Trinity, which I think was a bit confusing for him, but he he was like, you can't just stop there. You have to tell me more about it. So I I tried my best to explain to him the Trinity, and then that's kind of where that conversation stopped, and he was sitting there, and we, I think he was kind of just thinking about it. And then again, we had to take um, some big tests because we're in the British curriculum. So in high school, you take... Um, you study for two years, and then you take big tests. Then you study for two more years, and you take big, big tests. 
and those test grades kind of help you get into college, so they're really big tests. Um, so um, this was the day before our, well, it was like in the months before our tests, he asked me if we could go and we could revise together at like a library cafe kind of thing. And I said, sure. So we went there and we got out our books and we ordered orange juice and we're sitting there. Um, but we never studied. The whole time we talked about religion and I talked to, he, he was Muslim, but now he considers himself an atheist. So we were kind of discussing what he believed and what I believed. And, yeah, that was really good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I also have a story. There was um, one girl. She's actually not in this picture, but she is Tunisian, and her name is Yasmin, and she's 16. And um, we were in class, and we had finished our assignment, so we got free time, and everyone was just doing their own thing. And um, it was around Christmas time as well. So she was, like, asking me different questions about what I was going to do in Christmas break. And it started from questions like that, and it went on to, like, well, what is Christmas about? Why did why is, was Jesus born? Why did he die? And all of those things. And I remember the whole time I was like, God, help me. I don't know what to say. God, help me. And I was like, God just spoke the truth out of me. I didn't even know what I said. But in the end, I looked over at her and she was like, wow, no one's ever explained that to me. I've never heard that before. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, so if you guys want to pray for our friends, um, keep them in your prayers because we really care. I just, I just feel like so much um, the opportunities that come for us to share with people is because we're living there and we're living there among them. And over all these years, we've kind of set ourselves as part of the community. And so, yeah, we really do want you to pray. We feel like your, your prayers here at home are really opening people's hearts and allowing the Holy Spirit to really touch them at deep places. Okay, well, welcome to Hill Country Church. <laughs> I used to say that a long time. Lynn and Iliel need more honor than that. I mean, you guys, another round of applause. That was incredible. So we, one of the things that's changed in our roles is that we are now overseeing all of North Africa for our organization. So I get the chance to travel and care more about teams on the ground. And we have three teams in Morocco, one team in Libya. And, you know, one thing about North Africa is that families don't, the number one reason why families don't make it is because of the kids' education. And so to see a family thriving like the Salas's, is an incomplete miracle. And these guys are doing such an incredible job. I follow their journeys. They are directly leading home groups and then planting home groups from that. That's just, it doesn't get any better and it doesn't get any more direct than that. And they're just, they're just so good at what they do. And they are, they just don't quit. And I, I just want to honor you because I'm just so proud of you. And I wish there were more people like you. So way to go, way to go. So 
Oh, so the, the history is that uh, I, I just want to say I'm a journeyer here just like you. I, was, I had the privilege of being here about eight or nine years, three as a, as a student at, at Texas State, and then five-ish as a college pastor here. And our heart was always for, 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 for him, Jesus, and for them, the unreached. And so we got outside of our, our four walls here. And uh, when they hired me, they said, would you do this thing? And I said, only if you never give me an office here, which I'm not saying that's what you have to do. I just, that's what was, that was me. I said, I want my office to be in the student center. So we can't rent the student center. I'm like, I know. I just give me a table. I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, so <laughs> we didn't have very much office space back then. So they were really happy about that. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's what we did. And we, we, poured our, we poured our hearts out in discipling students on the campus. And when you reach the campus, you reach the unreached. Right. So and I just want to share the history of what happened there. So we saw lots of students come through. We were out trying to share the gospel on the campus on it right there during the day, in the evening, doing meetings, pulling people in. It was really, really fun. Lots of people got saved and some didn't follow Jesus after they got saved and some did. Some didn't keep on going on. But the ones who have have been changing the world. And I just so what you see here in North Africa, it's just it's. It's just phenomenal that you throw the map up there, and there's Lynn in Tunisia, and there's us in, in Morocco. Just thinking, crazy. And what also I think is so prophetic is that both of us are here at the same, same time. Now, I, not because it's us. It's just that I think God's trying to send us a message. Prophetic means like he's using a picture to communicate a message. So why is it that this has happened twice, and we didn't even plan this. I was like, oh, my gosh, God, this is hilarious. So I think... I submit to you that God is stirring us up again, us, because we're all, we're all together here, stirring us up again to remember that there is a prophetic history in this church that calls people to the nations. As a college student, I, I fell in love with Jesus, and I came to this church, and there's these, and Jimmy Darnell's preaching the gospel and communicating the word of God and teaching it in such a powerful way, and then they had these missions conferences, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb, you know? And, but then God just broke my heart. The Holy Spirit just fell on me and changed me. And, something, and so it was in my little apartment in San Marcos where as a junior or senior, I thought, God, I, okay, yes, uncle, I'll do this, you know, if that's what you want. I'm, I'm, so you'd make a way. Well, there was no way really then. So um, we all were able, it's really God's calling is so much bigger than our own plans, right? So the thing I wanted to say is that when we, sh- we throw out a net and make it about him and them, God has a way to call people to the nations. God used things like in Lynn's heart, the ministry there, uh, Urbana's and, and, and missions conferences, just like ours, to get us where we need to go. But all of us have a role, and Hill Country has an incredible role in calling people to the nations. They always have, and they always will. And so I want to just stir us up and say, yes, this is so much about him and about them. If you reach, if you reach the campus, you reach, you reach the unreached. It's beautiful. All right, so quickly I want to give you a quick uh, update on us is that we do, we do two things, essentially, in Morocco. We've been there. We were, uh, Dana, so uh, we do, we try to do direct stuff. We're not as good as Lynn and Iliel about it, as, as we, we are, but we are really good at sharing the gospel I think we've, I did some numbers. I'm not a big numbers guy, but we've, we got the gospel out. Uh, we fished for English speakers, got the gospel out, and, 
I think over 20,000 times in a way that could be understood by a Moroccan's ear. Over the course of like 14 summers, we of course use short-term teams. We speak Arabic, but we bring in short-term teams and do all kinds of stuff. And that, you would think, wow, that's really great, you know, 20,000 times. Pretty amazing. Way to go. But there wasn't much fruit. So, but the Bible says what? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few, except for Morocco. Does it say that? that Jimmy, does it say that? Because you know, it doesn't say that, does it? So you just have to cast your net wider. So we've done things like digital media to cast things out on Facebook. And we found out that the, more, the wider you cast the net, the more people are interested in Jesus. They're there. So the second, so we're doing all that, trying to start groups. And the second thing we're doing is we're, we're working with an underground church planning network. We call it Bubba's Network, just because it seems to stick in everyone's name. He's, this guy's not a Bubba. He's very, very, um, uh, well, I better get myself in trouble here. So he is not, uh, he doesn't look like someone from uh, the southern part of the United States. He's, <laughs> he is, <laughs> and so this guy has been able to network, and, and uh, he's a master, he's a great builder, He's a great pastor, and he's a great apostolic leader. He's built a network of people in, in Morocco who are, they started out playing about 13 churches about eight or nine years ago, and it's gone up to about 43 churches. Now, these are Moroccan-led, uh, Moroccan ch- plants a church, that church plants another church, or the leaders of this region plant a couple churches, and then that region goes and plants other places, other regions. So our role in that has been to serve and inspire and encourage that movement. And so I, I became really uncomfortable with that at first because I want the direct stuff, you know, and that's good. I, I, I like that. But I found as well that if we can do some indirect stuff by serving these guys and getting behind them, then it's all you, get, you become very fruitful. So that's what we're doing. And uh, these guys, the stories these guys have are crazy. They, they are so much more effective at this than we are. You know, and so I wanted to share that that is great. So one of the things I didn't mention probably last time is that, you know, Jesus says this, this gospel, the kingdom, Matthew 24, 14, must be preached throughout San Marcos and they don't come, right? If it said that, I'd be in San Marcos. I love this place. But it says this gospel must be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to every nation and then the end shall come. Matthew 20, 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of, did say go and make disciples? I'd be in San Marcos. I'm not saying that everyone has to go someplace else. I'm just saying that, that God's call is to bring everybody into his kingdom. And so, so we are after the unengaged, unreached people groups. We're after the places just like Lynn, places that the unengaged, unreached is, the key thing there is no access. Khadija has a dream. She's a, a Moroccan lady or a North African lady, she wakes up, it's a dream of Jesus, and she has no way of knowing anything more about Jesus. There's no church, there's no, there's no Christian bookstore, there's no Christian radio. My daughter was listening, she turned on the radio and said, Christian radio? What's that? That's so cool. She just loves listening to Christian radio because she's never, like, there doesn't exist. In this is so cool. They play Christian music in your car. How, what do you, how does that work? You know? so, we, so with the local network we're working with, Bubba's Network, uh, they have a chance, they've had a chance to reach into the south of Morocco, which some people call the Western Sahara. It's southern, southern Morocco. I was thinking Lynn would laugh at that, but no one else did. Never mind. So it's really Morocco because Moroccans, th- Moroccans think it's theirs. And so they went and they reached and they, they planted two churches in the area, which basically knocks out 
the unreached part of this area. So we've actually reached, by missiology standards, uh, four UUPGs, four unengaged, unreached people groups. Isn't that cool? Pretty cool deal. So, I mean, not just throw missionaries out there, but actually throw a vibrant church of Moroccans reaching out there. So, praise the Lord. I want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for standing in your prophetic history. Thank you for being who you are. And thank and keep, let's keep doing it because there's a lot more people that need to go for it. So, let me pray for us. And, um, Lord, I just want to... It's such a privilege to stand here. Every time I come, I just get so stirred for what you're doing. This is such your work. This is your thing. I just want to stand and say thank you. Lord, this is for you and for them. Lord, we want you to come back, and you want them to be reached. So we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you would stir us up again for them, for the ones who don't know, for the Khadijas and the Muhammads and the Si Muhammads and the Ahmeds who have never heard the gospel and who say when they hear it, I've never heard that before. That's incredible. I've, no one's ever taken the chance to share that with me. So, Lord, thank you for this. I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would just stir this up in us again. Hill Country Church has this place and the people that are here have such a powerful uh, you, you somehow anointed this place to reach people uh, and disciple them and help them help them impact, get impacted by the gospel and impacted by you, Jesus, so they get they get sent out and touch the nations. I, you've done it in me. You've done it in Lynn. You've done it in so many other people. What I say, do it again. Do it again, Lord. We just say, come, Holy Spirit, and stir us up. Stir us up again. And Lord, we ask for more students, more people to be sent out from this place, to go to places of the unreached, places like Yemen and Oman, places like Libya, places where there's just no access to the gospel. Lord, you want them to know. You don't pass us by. Don't pass us by. This is about, this is for you and for them. God, let us collaborate with you. And I ask that you release that anointing over us to a greater extent than it already is here. Lord, we want it. We ask for it. Lord, stir it up again in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for all this. It's beautiful. I love being here. All right, listen. Um, one last thing that we'll do here. Um, I, Mark and Dana, Lynn, I, I consider y'all like fivefold ministers. And part of your purpose is to stir the hearts of the saints up for the work of the ministry. You may be evangelists. You may be, I don't know. I just consider you fivefold ministers. And so everywhere you go, stir people up to stir others. So we, we really, we esteem you. We think highly of you guys. All right, here's how we're going to esteem them this morning. Here's the toolbox. We're going to take up an offering for them, for the Saleh's family in Tunisia and the Masterson family in Morocco. And let's, let's be generous because I know these guys and I know that uh, I just know that things aren't always just real abundant for them. So can we just be generous? So uh, just 
open up your wallets or whatever. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then just obey the Lord. That's all I'm asking you, okay? So, God, we bless these families that are at work in those two nations. Let's pray for those two nations and then we'll give, okay? And so we speak to those nations, the nations of Morocco and Tunisia. We speak over you in the name of Jesus. We say, gospel explode. We say, burn. We say, fire of God, burn. We say, hearts be open. We say, hunger be planted in their hearts. It, within them we say we say eyes be open to the the liberty and the revelation of Jesus and we say come on nations Morocco be, and Tunisia be be leaders among the Muslim world in the name of Jesus and so we say these two families and everybody else on their teams we say they're doing a pioneering work and we say thank you Lord that darkness is dispelled and the light shines in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right, let's give our offering. Uh, let, let me ask uh, Mark to come do one thing. Uh, it's amazing what's happening in Muslim lands, is, in Islam, of Jesus appearing to Muslim people where they've never heard the gospel and no one's ever told them about Jesus. And Mark, just come tell one of those stories of him coming and Showed himself to them, and y'all, and then y'all trying to find those people. So it's funny when you said that. I was like, "Which one?" It's normal. I mean, it, so uh, give you. I'll give you. I'll tell you one story. But to give you context, Jesus is appearing to Muslims in dreams like it's normal. It's probably eighty percent, fifty percent of the Muslims we we reach out to. The question we ask him is, "Hey, have you had a dream of a man dressed in white?" They'll say, oh, yeah, 13 years ago. Um, I mean, this guy, just off the top of my head, this guy from Sudan who was studying in Rabat, which we live in the city, the capital Rabat. Studying there, he's from Sudan, had a dream of Jesus when he was uh, in there and came to, we got to share the gospel with him. I mean, this this is just normal stuff. But here's a pretty cool one that I think is is phenomenal. So short-term team comes, which, by the way, short-term teams are a great way to do things. Short-term team comes. They're on the streets. We train them up so well. They meet this guy named Jack. Now, Moroccans don't have the name Jack. So they're like, what's up with you? He speaks almost perfect English. Is anomaly of a guy. Dad's British, married a Moroccan lady. Does, he has a textile business or something. Speaks perfect British English, and he's Moroccan. It just, it's just so funny. You look, And so the short-term team knows that we train them, hey, ask the person the dream question. You know, ask him if they had a, a dream about Jesus. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think so. So then I, we train him. We'll pray for them to have a dream. So they pray for Jack, have a dream about Jesus. And so they go home. They said, Jack, go home and see what happens. So he goes home. And then they meet with him the next day. And so when they meet with him the next day, they're like, what happened? What happened? And Jack was like white as a sheet. Did Jesus give you a dream? He goes, no, Jesus didn't give me a dream. Like, well, why are you white as a sheet? Jesus walked into my room. And so he said, I was sitting there in my room. I had a, my Coca-Cola can right here. And I was looking at it and it started glowing. And I thought, what's glowing in my Coca-Cola can? He turns across the room and there's Jesus standing in his, his room. I, I mean, that's his story. I, I wasn't there. But, and you would think, I mean, so the guy was, he started doing discovery Bible studies with us and. But this is just like normal. This is not walking into the room. That's a little exceptional. But the in fact, when we go fishing, uh, we go out and share the gospel. We call it fishing. 
one of the questions we ask in Arabic, I just because it's a normal question. I'm like, I'm trying to find a person of peace. So one of the questions I'll ask is, hey, have you ever had a dream of a man dressed in white? Can I, and you know, if you ask that question to anybody, you'll get 20%. Maybe you'll say yes. But if you, when you start talking about people who are responding to media contacts, trying to find Christians, it's almost, it's almost, it's 80%. So yeah, Jesus is doing this like crazy. And, and it, I just a quick step back. It's coming because over the last 20 to 30 years, the body of Christ, like this one, has been praying for the 1040 window. And what do you think God's doing? He's responding to that prayer and giving them dreams. So I think it's great. So way to go, Jimmy. Okay, y'all did just hear that, right? Jesus came walking into Jack's room. That's... <laughs> Shoo. Let that stir Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I will make it short, but... But God put um, God put the weight of the young man's eternity. Um, he, he just He just gave gave me a feeling, and here recently He showed me the power of belief and prayer. And I can't remember his name, but can y'all all picture him? The guy in the glasses. What was his name? Why steam? And so I, um, you know, God just inspired me to ask you guys to pray with me for him, if you don't mind. So let me lead you guys in prayer real quick. Lord God, you are you are you are so good, Lord God, and 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 we ask we ask that you would stir Yasim's heart right now. We ask that he would get a feeling in his chest right now, and that he wouldn't know where it comes comes from. He would just he would just feel it right now. We can see it. We can see him. We can feel the stirring that you're doing, Lord. And right now, we ask, Lord, that you would you would. You would let him know that it's the Jesus that he was told about that's doing it, Lord. And that he has answers. You have answers. That you would encounter him, Lord. And Lord, when these people come home, that, that they would have answers, Lord. And, and he would be a powerful warrior for your kingdom. Lord, it's through you that we pray. It, well, Jesus, it's through you we pray to God. Amen. Yeah. I think every person we talked about, God's got a plan and a destiny for him. Amen. So we just, we come into agreement. Whew. We having fun? Yeah. And it's 12, 12. <laughs> it's okay. Um, let's turn over to Galatians 5. About two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me. I had forgotten I was going to be sharing some today, but it's okay. Jesus remembered. And so God was just stirring to me to, to share on um, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we'll read through the list there, but I've always had a, a big thing. If you've come through our youth group, you know, I'm, I'm big on the fruit of the spirit and I, I love just going after the one of self-control because it's the one you never hear people ask for. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I've never been in a service where somebody goes, there's so much self-control in the room tonight. Um, <laughs> so that poor neglected fruit, somebody's got to eat it. Um, <laughs> But God was just stirring me particularly on two of them. Um, if I can get my brain on. There we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Ooh, we sometimes forget to write, uh, read that part. Um, that's a good one. How, how do you be like Jesus and be above the law, produce the fruits of the Spirit? It overcomes. Don't he, don't work on the Sabbath, yeah, but I'm loving this person by healing them. So, I'm, you know, you can speed all you want after that. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
So what God put on my heart two weeks ago was about kindness and gentleness. And I was like, God, we love kindness and gentleness. And really what he shared with me is, but are you producing them out of the spirit or just because the world can do some of those too? Because sometimes, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I know my patience is only coming from the Lord. Um, all right, the rest, liars or friars. Um, I, I, I know my patience is only coming from the Lord in certain situations. Who's ever been there? Okay, all right, there we go, some hands, I'll take it. Um, there, there are times where just, I, I'm so angry, but just the love of the Lord comes forth. I, I shouldn't have peace, but I have it, you know? And, and sometimes we see, can I say this? We see maybe kindness and gentleness is maybe weaker ones. I'll say that even as a, as a guy, as a man, that um, sometimes we just see like, oh, well, kind, kind is what a kindergartner teacher, kindergarten teacher is, right? Gen- gentle is what the nursery workers are. But I believe there's actually fruit of the Spirit, things we can be producing when we see the stirring of the Lord and release it. And we, I, I warned you that it was a spoiler. We released it earlier, just the hug. Earlier, right. Is that... Sometimes there's places of being kind and gentle that it's actually the breakthrough somebody needs. And we're not just doing it to be gentle or whatever, but let me give you some, a little bit of definition. Kind to me, and you know, I pulled from a different, few different sources, but it's friendly. It's generous. And I think this is a good one. Kind is assistance. Kind is, there's somebody with a flat tire and I'm going to pull over and help them out, Right. But through that, God can lead to some bigger things, right? I can have a movie night with a bunch of kids come over from all different nations and they're come, coming and hanging out. And that's a very kind thing to do. But then they might go, but I want to know more about Jesus, right? Good job on that, by the way. They believe as a youth pastor, that's a, it's an effective method. Um, there are places where our kindness can, can be so God-inspired. They'll go, what's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? Why, why, why are you carrying these things? I, I want more of what you have. And gentle, so a couple definitions for gentle, soft, humble, forgiving, compassionate. Shakespeare said, um, make sure I don't butcher, butcher this one, but it's um, to have, oh, it is excellent to have a giant strength, but to use it terribly or tyrannously is a terrible thing. It's easy to for a strong person to ruin and wreck a weak person, right? That's not hard. You know, I was in the MMA and somebody, you know, a a kid came up, like, I could take him. I'm not, you know, (laughs) like if a 10-year-old's like, let's go, I'm like, no problem, right? Um, But that's terrible of me. (laughs) That's tyrannical. But the God of the universe who can go, yeah, I can just destroy the whole earth, flood this thing, burn this city, whatever, turn to salt. Um, That's a weird one, isn't it? Um, But he chooses instead, he has all this strength, but he chooses instead to come down and so tenderly touch our heart, right? That's a beautiful thing to have this gentleness when we have giant-like strength, when we have things. And and sometimes, can I even say this? Really, I'm kind of pulling from a lady named Yvonne Hoffman. Um, she's out at Bethel, and she, uh, I, some of you have heard the story, so I'll make it brief, but I just kind of asked her a question about um, 
how to deal with teenagers in crisis and stuff. And one of the things she said was, sometimes we automatically jump into, everybody lay hands and pray, and, ah, and it freaks them out. When actually, uh, just a gentle, let's walk out the door, just you and I, and go walk around the building, and you just share what's on your heart for a minute, may be the most effective thing. So we may have a lot of anointing. We may feel some things stirring in the spirit, but that may not be what they need right there. They just need a gentle hand. And then that opens them up to, will you pray for me? <laughs> just saying. Sometimes, sometimes we try to force our way through the door when God says, I've given you a key. Don't destroy the thing. So I want to look at this phrase real quick, just above the law. And I think the, a good way to study it is let's turn back a page, or at least it's back a page for me. Galatians 5.4 says this. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Whoa. Hmm. The, the one above the law is the lawgiver. And according to this, we can actually try to be justified by the law, but it's alienated from grace. And so we don't have any, or alienated from Christ. So we don't have any grace. We want to make sure that if we're doing stuff out of kindness, out of gentleness, out of producing the fruit of the spirit, that we're not doing it just because it's good in the law, but it's actually in the heart of God. To be above the law is in the spirit, and, and we need to stop approaching the fruit of the spirit as if it's fruit of the law. Because it, it actually, we can produce some fruit of the law, but it's not as good as fruit of the spirit. Because if you're producing fruit of the law, probably more likely what's underneath it is, is you want to glorify yourself, not the Lord. And that'll actually expose you, and all that you have left is the fruit of the loom. Um, Got to throw one jet joke in there. Had to do this. If you're wondering if that was in my notes, you better believe it. (laughs) So what's better, let's turn the page back over. What's better is you're now of the spirit, produce fruit of the spirit. Don't go back to the old way, right? The law, hey, don't get me wrong. The, The law is good. It's scripture. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And he's the best lawyer ever. So his understanding of it is better than anything you could ever get yourself. So why read the law book and study it by yourself when you could read it with somebody who's actually fulfilled every bit of it? And so that leads you to a place of walking through it in the spirit, and it puts you above things that are happening in the law, above things that are happening at safe zones or in broken places, but instead, even your kind words can produce breakthrough. I don't know about you, but I've encountered people. Ty put it so well. This was a great one, Ty. I'm going to pat you on the back a little bit. Uh, he came up here the other day and said, if you've been hurt, hurt by the church, well, join the club. Um, I've worked with plenty of people. I used to work social work in Austin. I've worked with plenty of people who are wounded by the church. So sometimes saying, I'll pray for you, or can I pray, was like, I might as well have been like, I'm going to destroy you. Like, they were so afraid of it. They were so terrified of it. So one of the things that I would just do instead is, can we get lunch? Can you tell me your story? And then, you know what's great about prophecy? A lot of times people don't understand what it is. You can do it without them knowing. You can hear the voice of the Lord for them without them knowing. So sometimes it'd just be like, yeah, I just see this over you and just tell people and then just start crying and stuff and be like, man, how'd you know all that? And like, you know me. <laughs> Which the truth was they did. They all knew when I was leaving work, was going, going being youth pastor stuff. So they knew the identity. But I think more important was kind of proving it to them. Is that I'll take a minute and listen to them, not just see them as a project and pray and move on, but be their friend. That's a, 
I think that's an action of being kind, is being friendly. Hmm. So, some of you, all right. Some of you, some of these things may be a, a little tougher, and so I want to convince you um, that there are results that come from this, all right? Anybody a results-based person? Like, it's okay if you are. It's okay if you are. So I want to give you some results of acting from a kind and gentle spirit, acting from that in the Lord, and what it might, just might produce. So the first one is um, that, well, let's just read it. Proverbs 15.1. Do we have that one up there? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There have been times, just once or twice, but there have been times where someone has treated me very harshly, and all I want to do is jump the table um, and repent for what happens next. Um, But I have found the spirit in me to release a gentle word, and it eases the tension. Has anybody ever experienced that before? You know what you want to say. You know what you like to do. (laughs) But because you've got the spirit, you release that kind word. You release a gentleness. And the harsh word literally turns away wrath. I had someone, I won't won't say who, uh, but I had someone one time. This was a couple years ago. But basically, it was like they were looking for a reason to fight me. And I wouldn't. And I even just, I had, you know, all right, this is my version, right? I didn't do anything wrong, so I didn't need to forgive. There was probably something I needed to forgive of or, or to ask forgiveness of. So I just apologized, even when I didn't even understand why I needed to apologize, right? The person did, it like broke the circuit and they just, <laughs> they didn't know what to do because I wouldn't fight them. It literally turned away the wrath and it left. And the next time I saw them, everything was good. Um, it's Okay. Um, uh, let me say this too. It, it should be when it's not easy. If we're producing fruit of the spirit, sometimes it needs to be a stirring up within us where it's not just, well, I'm, I'm pretty good with being kind and staying patient, everything. Um, allow the Lord to stretch you up to limits where there should be times where you're like, it is hard to give a gentle word to turn away the wrath right here, but it should be in those situations. Does that make sense? Okay, it should be released in those places. Number two, it's an amazing bit of an evangelism or witnessing to people. Because you're working around people. Some of us might have some higher stress jobs or, you know, work in sales or things where, you know, it can be a little tense. There's a little bit of sweat. And people look at you and they're like, man, they never miss a moment to just be kind to others and be an assistant. And to assist and be a help. Don't raise your hand, but... Does anybody know a grumpy Christian? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> just um, give that knowing smile. Sometimes our best witness is just our, our character, right? It's our actions when, when we're in those tense situations and people go, man, the whole office is all stirred up, but Bill over there, what has he got? Why is he being so kind? Why does he have so much peace? What is going on with that? And there. There are people, like I was talking about the keys earlier, I think there are people that sometimes they, they are so burned by the church, so feel so scrutinized, or just have a wrong picture of God because they've been told by man instead of just receiving straight from God, that one of the only ways to get through them is through action. Yeah, okay, I got one, yep, I'll take it. Um, it's by displaying the fruits of the Spirit. And you've heard this one before, you know, we shouldn't be the most angry person in the room, which should be the most joy-filled person in the room. But I think along with that 
is sometimes just that action of noticing the person. Heidi Baker puts it this way. It's stopping for the one. Hmm. We never know what that, the destiny of that one is. Because sometimes, can I say this? I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes we're more a, attracted to the crowd or where, where the biggest influence or microphone is. But sometimes God is going, actually, I just want you to speak to one child right now. Somebody told me a story not too long ago. I apologize that I don't remember who this is. But um, it was a, bit, uh, a true story about a guy, an evangelist, did a, a meeting and asked a bunch of people, you know, who wants to get saved. Only one person got saved. Some of you might know this story. That person was Billy Graham. So you can walk away going, only one person got saved, or all of heaven's going, they got him. You know what this guy's going to (laughs) do? So, you know, David, right? Despise not the day of small beginnings. All right, third one. It produces more in you and in others, all right? And I thought I I would take a different spin. Ooh, and I'm going to finish on time. Um, I thought I'd take a different spin on this one, is that when we're kind, we're being gentle first. Um, I believe it produces the best in us, right? Do you agree that this tells us, like, when we're loving on people, we're at our best, right? When we're kind to people, yes? There we go, okay. Um, But I want to prove to you... um, through a little bit of science. There's a guy named Sean Aker. You can look him up. I've shared about him before. This guy, um, you can watch his TED Talk. His team have proven pretty uh, pretty solidly, hard to argue against, that when you're in a joy-filled mood, that when you're happy, um, and my te- a lot of my teachers in here know this because I'm having them read this book, that you are 31% more effective than when your brain is at negative, neutral, or stressed. I'll say that again. You are 31% more effective producing better results when you're in a joy or happy mood instead of negative, neutral, or stressed. Even neutral, where you got things are fine, whatever. It actually beats it by that much. And how it produces in others is um, his other book, this guy, um, just real quick on him. He, he's from Waco, um, so he hung out with a lot of Bubba's. Um, <laughs> So he, uh, he got into Harvard on a dare because his friends, first, that's a testimony in itself, is surrounding yourself with the right people who go, dude, I think you can get into Harvard. He did. Uh, and he got a scholarship, too. It's pretty good. Now he's influencing nations through kingdom principles, um, through the, the world of academia. And so one of the other things that his team were able to prove is this idea of iron sharpening iron or putting, you know, one puts a thousand, but two to 10,000 flight is that when we're, when we're partnering and we're, we're providing that assistance to each other, that we're doing better, right? That we're multiplying. So um, one of the studies they did is they took people with severe knee injuries and they had them look at an incline and just make their best guess as to what percent the incline was. You know, it's a 10%, 20 whatever it may be, right? A 90. Um, maybe not that one. But um, <laughs> they just scaled it. So they had them look at it. And the key was when they first looked at it, they were by themselves. So when they were by themselves, if the answer was 40%, keep that in mind, answer was 40%, they would then show them not maybe in the same area, but an incline was the exact same. So let's say the real answer was 40%. That person nailed it, right? So if it was really a 40% incline and they gave the real answer when they're by themselves, um, that's how it would go. But then they brought one of their best friends in, whoever they said their best friend was. And they said, this person's going with you up the incline. 
almost every single person, the incline in their mind before they even touched the hill went down to half. So if you said 40 before, you're now at 20. Because you're walking with somebody you love, know, and trust. You, you, I, I'm okay with proof being in the pudding in this, right? I, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to experience it. And that's one of the things I, I love about what he does and, and what we're finding is the words of the Bible are true, and I want to be able to prove it and experience it. And so I'm not really going to do any special altar call. In fact, I'm going to do something a little different today. But my encouragement to you is that um, when you're, when you're being kind, being gentle, two things. When you're being kind, being gentle, is first, see that the Lord can be in it, that it's not just a, a good gesture. That it can release something. But the other thing is, is to push yourself to do actions, big or small, that will expand the kingdom through the fruit of the Spirit you're producing. Not, not every moment has to be a knockdown like they got saved and floated and seven doves descended and we baptized them, you know, John the Baptist showed up for it. Um, it's okay. It's like, that's like testimony comparing, right? The point is, did God show up? Sometimes through an earthquake and sometimes a gentle whisper. If God showed up, let's celebrate and praise the Lord. Amen? Cool. Uh, thank you. Um, Oh, man, I forgot. Can I share one quick thing? Yeah, I, just, I, I don't know why I asked permission. I want to tell this story, especially since I saw Thomas is in here because I'm sad uh, that Damaris isn't here because I know they're SpongeBob fans. Is anybody else a SpongeBob fan? There we go. All right. <laughs> if you have wisdom on your head, gray hair, uh, you did not, your hand didn't go up. So how sad. SpongeBob's great. Um, so it's a cartoon, if you don't know. This is how the Lord first spoke to me about this. So I apologize, I didn't share this at the beginning. But this is something uh, the Lord used a picture to illustrate to me about this kind of kindness, caring, gentleness thing. Um, so there's an episode of SpongeBob. You got Thomas, you got to get louder than that, all right? <laughs> so there's an episode of SpongeBob where he is challenged to a burger cook-off against Poseidon or Neptune. Yeah, okay, some people have seen this one. And so... Um, SpongeBob, if you don't know, he makes his living as a fry cook at the Krusty Krab. And uh, so Neptune thinks he cannot make a better burger than him, all right? Um, so they have this contest in Arena. And Neptune, he is draw- he's shooting lightning and burgers are falling from the sky. And he's like, you know, he's like dabbing and everything. And it's all crazy. And the crowd's going wild. And he is mass producing through power. All of these hamburgers, all right? It's a cartoon, all right? If, if you're not tracking with me, just I'll get to the point, and hopefully that'll speak to you, all right? But SpongeBob, in the time, it, they get like five minutes. In the time it takes, SpongeBob makes one burger. And he, he draws smiley faces on the pickles. And he takes the lettuce and tucks the two pickles in, and he reads them a bedtime story. And he watches the meat, oh, so perfectly, just toast the bun, just right and everything. And everybody eats their Neptune burger and goes, it's gross. And then Neptune eats SpongeBob's and goes, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. A little bit of care, a little bit of just stopping for a moment and and caring about what you're doing and not just going, let's go, just... A little bit of meekness in the Lord sometimes produces a desired result. So, so why did I use the burger store and everything? Is uh, Everything is unto the Lord. Let him guide these. 
And when you do, people will go, there's a difference in quality. Why are your sales numbers higher than everybody else's? I pray every day. I care about every person I sell to. Why, 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 why? You should be getting these questions. Why are these happening? Because I take the time to tuck the pickles in and read them a bedtime story. All right. <laughs> so there you go. All right. <laughs> Some of our teenagers are good. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm just going to ask. Um, that a certain group of people stand up, the Mastersons and the Sollies, will y'all just stand up? Because um, I, I really don't want to miss an opportunity to do this. Um, we're going to lay hands and pray on them today, all right? You've gotten your, your word. If you're around them, and can I ask Jimmy, Tom, some of our staff, just get around them, Bethany. Um, because as, as Mark was speaking in particular, the Lord was speaking to me about refreshing, that worldly refreshing is just, we're going to fill you up. Kingdom refreshing is you're going to be so full you overflow, right? And, and it's not through your effort, anything like that. Um, so the rest of the church, if you're not standing around them, just stick your hands out right now. <sighs> After service, if you, you just want to bless and encourage them, if you want to stick a check in their hand, I encourage these things. If you want to talk to them, ask questions. I think Mark was asking for maybe some short-term teams, so, you know, he might put a little vision in your heart for that. You want to move him up, Jimmy? Yeah. All right, just everybody pray with me right now. God, first, we just thank you that your heart is for North Africa, that that is a region you are speaking to, and Jesus, you are literally walking in people's rooms. You will take the time in one night to go into Jack's room and show him that you are Lord. God, we just thank you. Even I just declare there's something on the Christmas season and the holidays, God. God, that you would get yourself a great name that no one, not even a, a hardcore Muslim, could deny the influence of Jesus Christ upon the earth, upon civilization itself. And through that, there would come intimate personal relationship with Jesus. We declare that fruit of that is coming more and more, and that for both the Mastersons and the Sales, that in Tunisia and Morocco, God, that they would start hearing the statement, I need to know more of Jesus. What There's more than this knowledge. What is going on? My heart is stirring. My spirit is stirring. And that they would be the answer. I just declare, even over their kids, God, that there be a, a stirring in, with, in them to just love on their friends and show what Jesus is doing in their life. Yes, God, which is... We just thank you that they are, they are such amazing servants in your kingdom. But more than that, they're leaders and influencers. That they care about each, each and every one, whether they're Muslim, atheist, whatever. Yes, God. We declare new fruit. New fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray with you. Uh, my wife, Bethany, and I will be out in the foyer. Tim and Elizabeth are in Ohio. Prayers for them. They're with the Kootzes, if you remember them. Yeah. Uh, so we would love to, especially if you're first time here, we'd love to get to know you. Shake your hand. Have a blessed and amazing week.